0: Welcome to the Recruiter Startup Podcast. My name's Dilta Doherty, and in this podcast series, I will be speaking to investors, advisors, entrepreneurs, and recruiters who are based all over the world. We'll be discussing how to set up, scale, and operate a world-class recruitment company. Today's guest is Alex Elliott. I went into London to meet him last week, and we discussed his journey from setting up, scaling, And selling Liquid Personnel, a healthcare recruitment company in Manchester. So brilliant to get somebody like that on on the podcast. And he called me out of the blue one day and said that he listens and he'd love to come on. So, So we made it happen. And the other reason he wanted to come on is because he's looking to connect with the best recruiters out there who want to scale their own recruitment companies. And he wants to be an investor in that and bring that expertise that he has in terms of getting people up and running, getting them up to critical mass, then helping them over a 10-year period to successfully sell their business. So we explored all of those elements and what, what he had to do to make that work. What it was like that moment when the money hit his bank account, when he knew he'd never have to work again. As ever, this podcast is sponsored by Hinterview, by JobAdder, and by Interprotect. Hope you guys enjoy. Welcome to the Recruiter Startup Podcast. I'm joined here by Alex
1: Elliott. How are you today?
0: I'm very good, thank you, Doctor. How are you? Yeah, I am very good, despite having to bicker a little bit with my wife here. How are you finding that?
1: It's good. I'm, you know, as I say, I'm a trained marriage counselor, and I will side with Charlotte at every opportunity. Yeah, you so.
0: Dead right. He's she- a he's a smart guy. This guy. Um, okay, so uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Give us the give us your, as the Americans would say, elevator pitch.
1: Okay, so um, I'm Alex Elliott. I set up, I co-founded with my business partner a company called Liquid Personnel based in Manchester, we were a healthcare recruiter, so we supplied social workers, nurses, and allied health professionals. Over the course of 10 years, we grew that from scratch, so over the course of 10 years, we grew that business to 140 heads, yeah. 76 million revenue the year we sold, Jesus. the year we exited, and about nine million NFI. So we, we grew quite a large business. We're, we exited in 2006, a private equity, 2016, sorry, a private equity sale, and have spent the last couple of years doing different things, but yeah. have now come back together with a view to...
0: Living like Scarface for the last couple of years?
1: Well, um, no, not really. <laughs> I just, I, my, my wife and I decided to have a baby as soon as yeah. we sold the business, so that was just ridiculous. What were we thinking? Um, instead yeah. of having a year off and just traveling around and loving life, we yeah. decided to have a baby and a newborn, so yeah, we, we were um, probably a little bit naive with regards to that.
0: When I was uh, when I was in my digital nomad days, sure. We were. Uh, I was planning on driving around Europe for a couple of years and uh, my wife decided to have a baby and then we moved to the south of England. So you just get told what to do, basically. I think, I think uh, you've uh, figured that out from being in our
1: company today. Um, I think they, in business they call it equal business stature <laughs> and in a marriage they, they call it just obviously just being told what to do. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, liquid personnel we've
0: established I don't know much about healthcare Um, so this is great I'm going to be an expert on it by the end of
1: this was that your first recruitment John? No so I met John at a previous business that that were um, a supplier of social work professionals Mm -hmm. so contract social workers six month well, average nine month contracts Mm -hmm. quite high pay rates we got into that industry it was both our first jobs in recruitment we worked our way up and effectively became the sales managers of a social work recruiter. Yeah, I was there for two or three years, jo- three years, I think John was there probably six months longer, mm. and then we decided to set up for ourselves. Wow. What age were you? 20, I think I was 25, and John's about a year younger than me, so he was probably wow. about 24. Well, what year was that? 2006 we set up. Okay,
0: Um, pretty ambitious decision for two young guys. What? Uh, how did that come about?
1: I was asked this recently, and I, I think the answer I guess we worked for were great. It was a really good company. They were ambitious. They were um, that they had a compelling vision of the future, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm. But at the same time, I think it, you, you reach a certain point where probably you have your own opinions on how you want to do things, and you want to set out on your own. So yeah. we, we we probably you wanted both to make came, bags and bags of money, and that as well. So yeah. you know, we came together, and I, I think we we had aligned values, an aligned vision of where we wanted to take the business. Yeah. I think we had st- key strengths, but also complementary skills. Yeah. Um, so I think we, we saw potentially a good partnership there with regards to growing a business. Is he the operations and you're the sales? Pretty much, yeah. So we we, we work well in tandem. Mm-hmm. I think you know, John, my business partner, is a good salesman and he can do the sales side and to a degree I can do the upside. Yeah. But yeah, we, we've kind of got our strengths, which we play to. Okay. How, how do you go about that as young men affording to set up a contract business? Um, so we just got an ID facility early on. So it probably wasn't as difficult back then to get an ID facility, so. What's that for anybody who's. Uh, so it's effectively um s- someone buys your invoices and gives you an upfront payment yeah. with regards to the value of that invoice and then on payment you you get money back. So um, we, we got a facility which enabled us to grow quite quickly. Yeah. It was still tough from a cash perspective. It was because actually, what we again—you you learn these things when you set up a business. We were growing too fast, mm. so actually keeping that cash flow in the background positive was a challenge for us. Yeah, um, so it's, it's a nice problem to have, but effectively we, we were probably growing a bit too quickly at the beginning, so we had to be able to ensure that we were keeping up with that that cash. Must issue. have been
0: it must have been really exciting. Did
1: uh, given you didn't have a tremendous amount of
0: experience, mm-hmm. young guys? Like, did you have a set in stone model that? you were going to implement? you you just going to copy the previous business, how they worked, or did you think,
1: actually I have different ideas, this is what I want to do instead? Or has that evolved over time? I think a bit of both, yeah. but like everything, it evolves over time. So I think the key is you you make lots of small decisions, and it's about operational efficiencies. It's about having a strategy. Mm. It's about seeing the wood and, and, and the trees at the same time. So what's your long, long-term strategy? Mm what's the plan but also then focusing on your operational efficiencies and how you can improve and ha- how you can get those marginal gains so my rambling answer to your short question was probably a bit of both
0: yeah and w- did you get an NED early on or was it just the two of you like
1: not early on yeah. we, we did over time we brought advisors in yeah. and that that was really helpful so what did that process look like like do, do they come in and goal
0: set with you or do they come in and like have a look at your books and where the money is and where the projected money is and kind of give you a bit of a plan or is there a bit of marriage counselling that
1: I'm looking for yeah um, I think it depends upon the advisor yeah. so we we didn't have a huge number of advisors come into the business but we had a few and I think they all had different strengths yeah. so some 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 advisors will be more finance and output um, orientated yeah. some will be more sales and input orientated so I suppose if you're looking to bring in an NED, it's about understanding that individual and what they're gonna bring to the table, their experience, their background, mm. and how that's gonna fit with where you're at as a business. Um, some advisors wouldn't be suited to startup or early stage businesses and vice versa. Some wouldn't be suited to the more established organizations where it's mm. more, more of an element of governance rather than um, you know, building momentum. What headcount did you get to before the GFC? again I was asked this recently and we couldn't actually remember so it's all a bit hazy but I reckon after four years we, we kind 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 of came to the number of about 30 heads after about three or four years so we started in 2006 so the GFC was what 2009 ish yeah. so I, I'm gonna say roughly 30 maybe 20 to 30 were you were you insulated in healthcare mm. in that no so we were quite severely impacted um, so was that the first time you really felt adversity? Very much so. Well, no, no but probably the first time the market took a real punch swing, face, a, pun- yeah. a punch in the face. So I think our at one point our jobs were reduced by 50%. Mm. So we lost 50% of our incoming roles and opportunities. So that was a challenge with regards to what are we going to do. But I think we always had a very long-term focus. We, mm. we tried to make decisions for the long term and we actually doubled down. So... We, we saw it as, a, as a, a real challenge for probably the foreseeable future but we also knew that a lot of our competitors would make decisions based upon the immediacy of that event so we decided to actually double down on recruitment double down on training and development mm. double down on some of our marketing as well so we really went for it which enabled us by the time that that situation had changed and yeah. things picked up again we were really really well positioned to ride that wave
0: yeah so you got through it anyway we did you seem to have a lot of foresight from when you were very young getting into this. Like, did you see, I was asking about the NED because not many people get the big exit. Sure. A lot of people, they kind of get to that 20 person office, maybe even a 35, and then they go back and then they go forward. Like, What, what was it that kind of kept you on track to get
1: you to the point where you're like, this machine is not bigger than me? So when you say what kept us on track with regards to that long term goal of exiting, yeah. we, we always plan to exit. You knew from day one. We business. we said from day one yeah. let let's build a business to exit. But I think everyone probably kinda says that. Except for us, eh? Hey? Yeah. And bottleneck on us. <laughs> <laughs> um
0: yeah. and 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 when you got to like when you got up to that certain stage. Yes. Where are you away from the day-to-day running of the business at this stage? What 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 bit
1: did you work yourself out of it? With a couple of years to go, we had built a leadership team, a board, and a leadership teams below the board. Yeah. Who. Pretty much organically grown up. Yeah, organically grown up. So that that's one thing that we're really proud of. That Hmm. business we grew the entire business from scratch, effectively. So. we we pretty much never bought in talent. So everyone who is still in that business and everyone who was in that business when we sold started off as uh, junior level roles, comparatively to where they ended up. So the current MD of that business was a trainee recruitment consultant, the sales directors, the associate directors, the team managers, all of those guys started off as trainee recruiters. The board was our, FD was our original FC. Our ops director was our original operations manager. So these people were, absolutely fundamental to the growth of the business so i think that was really positive because not only not only do you get real benefit from growing your own Mm. but also you maintain the values and you maintain the culture it's really easy to maintain the values and culture comparatively to if you start trying to bring in outside expertise yeah where Someone might have the technical know-how, but maybe they're not going to fit your business culture as mm. well as, well, they're not going to fit your k- business culture yeah. probably as well as the people that have grown with that business and have got that inherent um, role within it. What
0: What was your culture like? Could you define what, what it was? I think we were very,
1: yeah, we, we, you can ask me what our values were now and I'm scratching my head, but um, no, we, we had some really defined values, so... We built a, a culture, look, we worked extremely hard. Mm. So we were well known in the Manchester market for being extremely hard working. Our guys, you know, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, they, they, the finishing hours were seven, but in reality, guys worked till eight. So they worked from nine till seven, eight o'clock a lot of evenings. Mm. Um, we were extremely focused mm-hmm. on self-development and learning. How could we improve? It was all about marginal gains. It was about focusing on getting better. Um, but it was also about having fun so we worked extremely hard but we had a lot of fun while mm. we did it so it's getting that balance right isn't it yeah you, you need to know when to push but you also need to know I think as a leader when to pull back a little bit yeah. um, so again a rambling answer no no yeah, it's a good we're, answer we,
0: like so you, in order to do that you have to have a certain type of profile mm-hmm. that you think like if you're growing people organically which <laughs> even though I'm a rector I think it's probably the best thing to do in most cases mm-hmm what was like can you define the type of person that you were like this is the person that we want to hire for liquid like, sure wh- wh- what did that look
1: like smart driven personality yeah. um, someone who was inherently driven rather than saying oh, I want to buy a car next year mm. as their long-term goal it was about being able to really sort of peel, peel the onion and understand someone's motivations and drivers and bring people in who had long-term objectives mm. Um. But yes, yeah, smart, driven, a good personality for the market that we worked in. The individuals that we were dealing with were, were, were quite interesting characters. They were they mm. were personable people. They wanted to build a relationship. So it was about ensuring that we were bringing people into the business who fitted that profile of actually the clients and candidates they yeah. were going to be dealing with, relationship orientated.
0: Yeah. And let's, let's fast forward a bit. So you, you got the business up to some impressive numbers. And you're thinking now the time to exit well you put this sounds like it was a four-year plan because you put a leadership team in first to to kind of get yourself because then you're like you're selling something that's a bit more independent we always said you. 10 years yeah so
1: we said le- let's look to exit within 10 years that was always the plan mm. But I don't think we can take too much credit for having that perfect structured approach to a 10-year exit. I don't think it happens like that, does it? It's more incremental. Mm. And as we continued growing the business and we became more knowledgeable as time went on with regards to what makes a really attractive organisation, we just built towards Mm. that. And we were always very aware that we needed to effectively try and make ourselves redundant. The business Mm. couldn't be relying upon ourselves. So... A, we grew our own leadership team, but also we were very focused on not just growing them but actually delegating and giving them the responsibility mm-hmm. when it was appropriate to actually make business decisions. Did you have to turn up the heat a little bit when you are heading
0: towards that exit? Like I, I come across a lot of businesses and when they, when they get to that point where they're like we know we're selling,
1: mm-hmm.
0: gonna have to turn things up a bit to get to this figure.
1: Genuinely, no because we were always super, super <laughs> ambitious. <laughs> it was up anyway. It was it was always up. Yeah. So we, we, we were fast growth, and yeah. we went for it on a day-to-day basis. And again, it was about having those individuals who genuinely came in every single day with a view, this can be my day. <laughs> this yeah. is the day that I'm actually gonna make a difference. So yeah. it was about trying to maintain a culture where everyone was really committed to growing yeah. and becoming the number one in that space. Yeah. So, you know, that was our compelling vision. It was to take on the world effectively and dominate that space by market share, profitability and, and status. Um, I've had John O'Sullivan on the
0: podcast. Mm. and He seems to he, he give me a bit of an insight into how to value a business and how, to, how he kind of pulls a few strings together and <laughs> makes all of that happen. Who, who was it you brought in? And like, how'd you get the vis- business valued? What did that whole
1: process look like? So we we, we worked with a corporate finance company yeah. who were effectively... O- outside
0: of recruitment? Or no, were they, they
1: were it? recruitment orientated. So mm. that's a good question. I think they did purely recruitment actually. So they, mm. they were highly recruitment orientated. If it wasn't pure recruitment, it was pretty much mm. their, that was their focus. So we, we brought them on board once we got to a point where we were start starting to hit the numbers that mm. we knew we wanted to hit with regards to maximizing the likelihood of getting the type of buyer on board that we wanted, because it wasn't just about selling for a certain number, but it was also about having enough option out there to be able to hand yeah. the business over to the right people. That was really, really important yeah. to us. So um, we brought some people on board, but actually it happened quite differently. We actually had someone approach us. Brilliant. and it kind of came out of the blue just as we were starting to put pr- somebody was probably keeping pressing. an eye on you though yeah so it, it was an unusual story but someone that worked for us actually went away and completely broke all of their restrictive covenants a senior <laughs> a senior person <laughs> went to a competitor and said actually they're looking to sell at some point point." Uh, and that you know so th- th- they effectively were alerted to that and then approached us with regards to what our situation was we yeah. got talking to them we really bought into the individuals that we were talking to yeah they had a similar background in related fields, areas yeah. of specialism that the the companies they, they had in their portfolio w- mm. already worked under. So, the fit was really really nice. Um, but the valuation is, you know, is, is is who does the firm work for
0: when they're valuing it?
1: Who does what firm work for?
0: So there's a private finance company. Yeah. Do they work for you? Or do, they, do they? No, work they for work for us. They work for you. So
1: yeah, they work for us, and it's how do you value something well wait a is what someone's prepared to pay but actually it's really based upon mm. predictable revenue and then you know looking at that predictable revenue yeah. and understanding what that looks like moving forward and basing a number around that on a multiple so yeah. w- if, if you're looking at multiples there's probably an average range six where or f- seven is it uh, I'd say six to eight was, is normal for a contract recruitment business. Yeah. And then that depends upon the EBITDA. Yeah. So you're not going to get six to eight multiple if your EBITDA is half a million a year. Sure, but if yeah. you start to hit, probably, you know, it suggested us to the sweet spot was around three million EBITDA. Yeah. And I think when we sold, we were approaching about three and a half. So yes. we, we were advised... Do the math, kids. Well, we're, we were advised effectively that, you know, if you if you get to that sort of three mm. million number, that's probably going to open up that that's kind of a sweet spot for people to start to be interested in in yeah. you know, as a business.
0: What other things, outside of the predictive revenue, and I suppose it comes within the predictive revenue. Were they looking at like, are your are your leadership team likely to stay beyond? Yeah. How can they tie them in? Yep. All, all those type of things like your database was like your, do, do they value, do they even? I suppose they look more at your branding and stuff now. Uh-huh. Was
1: there was there any other type of things that all of those things. Yeah. I think it's risk management, isn't it? So they're looking at the whole range of things that could potentially impact upon the business when yeah. when you leave, so 100% you need a strong and stable leadership team. Yeah. You can't have the business, um, you know, we're in a fortunate position, we actually came to the agreement that we leave within effectively three months of selling the business. So I think that kind of, that's unusual. Mm. M- m- most m- most business owners are probably going to get locked into a buyout, whereas we had the opportunity to leave quite quickly, and I think that was testament to the to leadership team yeah. we had in place. Because most people are still top and tail in deals. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. So those guys look. They, 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 they had a good understanding of the market we already worked in. So I think mm. they had had a level of confidence that they already had a lot of expertise in house. But also they believed in the leadership team that yeah. we had in place. Um, and then it's risk management. So yeah. are you overly reliant on uh, a certain number of clients? Are there any changes in the market mm. coming through which are going to impact upon business? All the, all those sorts of things yeah. really, which are going to. How long did the process take? About six months. How many offers
0: before you got to? Uh, that's a good question. There, there must be a bit of brickmanship that I happens.
1: Yeah, I just think it's you. You just have general conversations around it, don't you? And you, you both, you both want to be happy, but also mm. you want to make sure. Look, it, it wasn't just about the numbers for us. It was also about ensuring the company was right mm. that that we were going to hand our baby over to. So. You know, we were assessing those guys as much at times as they were assessing us. Mm. That was really, really important. So it's not just purely a, you say this number, I say this number. It is. It, it's quite a, yeah. it's quite a sensitive process you're going through, sure. isn't it? Because it, you know, you, you've grown up with the people over ten years that yeah. effectively you're going to be handing over to someone else when when they take on responsibility for yeah. for that business. So there was a lot to it, but but yeah, there is an element of that back and forth. What did it feel like when it hit your bank account? Pretty amazing. Yeah. What did you do? Uh, I, I was in I was in the conservatory of the house that I lived in at the time. I remember it quite well, and I was refreshing and refreshing. And my business partner had yeah. hit his account about an hour earlier because ah, he was in a different I, bank, and I was getting really annoyed. And I remember phoning think, up the the finance. Has he
0: taken my share? No, I was <laughs> phoning up
1: the solicitor actually yeah. saying, "Why isn't it my account?" Was yeah. and I could tell he was getting a bit annoyed with yeah, me. It's yeah. kind of like, look, is, yeah. it'll be there when it's there, but yeah. you know, when when you're in that emotional yeah. state, you're probably not.
0: Your wife and st- stuff all around waiting yeah. for it to hit.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, look, it's. And then it it's hits. amazing. It's amazing, but it's yeah. the realization of a journey, and the the key, I think, is that it's 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 the, the process you go through, which is the really rewarding bit. Don't get yeah. me wrong; that bit at the end is amazing, yeah. but it's also the process of building something you're incredibly proud of. Yeah, sure. That 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 makes an impact upon the universe within yeah. which you work. You know that that brand is, was, and is known as a premier brand within the space that it works. It's yeah. the market leader. It's Anyone within that space who knows who that company is, and I'd like to think, there's a lot of time and yeah. respect for that business, whether they were competitive or not. So, it's the, it's the feeling of reward you get. I think that's that's really important building yeah. something like that. So you get the big exit. Still, still young man. You're, you're probably my age. Uh, I'm forty now, so I, oh, I exited. He's when older. <sighs> there we go. No, I exited when I was thirty, just before I turned thirty-seven. Wow. Okay. Um, it's
0: it's real young to have an exit like that. Um, that's great well what did that feel like that downtime because you were effectively you sell something like that and they say you stay away from the industry now sure. for a little bit right two couple of years three years three years three
1: years well within reason they're, they're yeah. obviously there's there's certain restrictions in there which are completely understandable as well yeah. because you know that, that's only fair really most of the restrictions yeah. that are in place but yeah there's there's three-year restrictions where obviously i'm not going to go and set up a competitor or start trying to take staff yeah. and stuff like how do, that.
0: How do you make sure you don't drink yourself to death in those three years?
1: Um, stop drinking is a good start, that's what I did a few years before, yeah. so <laughs> no, um, that, that's a good start yeah, actually, yeah. just don't drink. I don't but I
0: um, do that every couple of months to be honest. Yeah, no. yeah, so
1: no, this is my Irish roots as well, Dalton, yeah. so, so no, definitely, I um, I stopped about five years ago actually, yeah. so I enjoyed recruitment, it was good, yeah. but um, there does come a point when you've got to um, start behaving. Yeah. So. Look, it's a big transition to go through when, yeah. you, when you sell your business because you go from... Um, Does what, your phone just stop? Kind of.
0: My phone's going all day long. Sure. Like, and I'm, like, I wonder what that would feel like for just a.
1: Look, I, I wasn't. we were both in a fortunate position where mm. we built a leadership team and more and more responsibility over time got handed over mm. to those guys until the end where effectively they, they, they were running the business. Yeah. So it wasn't like it just went from you know from one thing to a complete opposite but there's still a big transition you go through where you go from being the center of something quite big and important and there's lots of stuff around you to support you sure and then all of a sudden you're on your own and you've got to try and figure out why your printer isn't working and you haven't got an IT guy to phone up and say what's going on and all those sorts of things and you're changing nappies as well that's um that's challenging Mm. so yeah there's a big transition that you go through
0: yeah and we all get back on the horse sooner or later did mm-hmm. you know what the horse was going to be then did you know what you're going to be up to now it, is that something that you've had to weigh up over time you probably buy a few houses you probably think oh i'll try this and i'll try that and then you're like you must miss the buzz a little bit because you, sure. you had that buzz yeah for 10 years and it was like in a, it's as intense as you're going to get mm-hmm. so when you came back this time you have decided going to do a slightly different
1: journey can you walk us through what, sure. what you're up to now so my business partner John and I are looking to um, look we want to work with exceptional people so we're both extremely still extremely passionate about mm. the industry we, we love recruitment we, we love the entrepreneurial nature of it and we we love working with 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 great people mm. and that's what we're looking to do again so we want to invest and support individuals to grow world-class recruitment businesses mm. we get we get the benefit of a going on that journey with them, working mm-hmm. with great people, but also we get to live vicariously a little bit through them and yeah. what they're looking to do and what they're looking to achieve. And we we really value and appreciate the journey we went on. Mm-hmm. So it's a great opportunity for us to a be able to give back a little bit, but also, as I say,
0: yeah.
1: get the buzz and the passion for the industry sure. through that through supporting th- through supporting people. Do you see that
0: as them being? An independent entity, or more like the recruitment entrepreneur, where Mm -hmm. it's the sum of all parts. Independent. Okay, and that's it. Because how did you come to that decision? Because that's a big decision. Because sure, obviously, if you ever want a major, another major exit, the easy one is to group them all
1: together. No, that's that's the sell. Yeah, that's the sell. Yeah, and I think it's quite a compelling sell. Yeah. Group all these companies together. We'll get a bit. It'll be a bigger EBITDA. Sure. We've got all these companies together, and then we can sell for a higher multiple, and everyone benefits from that higher multiple. Yeah. I think if you peel under the bonnet, I think there's, it's not quite as simple as that. Yeah. Um, you can't peer, You can't peek under the bonnet for the recruitment entrepreneur because anybody who leaves them.
0: Oh right. They uh, they get signed off on everything. I, I couldn't get any oh, okay. any
1: interviews or any. Oh sorry, I'm signed in. Sure. So. Look, I think I think it's um I think you've got a figure out what it is you're looking for mm. and then assess an opportunity based upon what you're looking to achieve yeah. you can build a centralised model and I'm sure that works really really well but for us it's about supporting partnerships because we're yeah. looking to invest in two people ideally um, to grow independent organizations yeah, we, we, we 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 don't want to have a you know we, we want to be business partners with people we yeah. don't want to be their boss we don't want employees we want business partners so yeah. we, we want to support individuals to grow their own businesses rather than being effectively a franchise of a larger organization no, makes sense um who are the people who, who are they um ambitious individuals with really strong sales backgrounds within recruitment within Mm. specialist niches who have also got experience of building and leading high performance sales teams so look there's more to it than that but they're they're probably that's probably a starting point of the individuals we're looking for and as i say partnerships we we've seen the value when you're looking to grow something Mm. particularly big we've seen the value of two people working together and dedicating their resources to that and we also know the value of having individuals who've got that that shared values that shared vision but but the complementary skill set which is going to enable them mm-hmm. to look, not everyone's perfect very yep. few people have got all the required skills to be able to grow a business so for us we see the value in investing in partnerships yeah and is,
0: are you going to stick within what you know um or because you're obviously a guy that's sure. uh, listening to great podcasts out there and upskilling your knowledge on other yep. verticals and all the rest what, who are you after are you after like just healthcare, or are you thinking Maybe the energy sector looks good
1: right now, or the the pharma sector looks good, and tech is always good. Sure. We're we're really agnostic with regards to sector. So, no, we are very open. Look, we we like candidate-driven markets. We like markets with global expansion opportunity. Mm. There are a few things that we'd look for, but we're we're pretty open with regards to the markets that we're considering.
0: Mm. And, uh, yeah, I'd say it must be tricky picking What that person is specifically like Mm -hmm. like do you have a vision in your head like have you how many like have you talked to a lot of people already in order to figure out if there's a fit
1: I've spoken to a lot of people and what, what are you looking for? Well, first and foremost, there has to be chemistry. There has yeah. to be a values fit. I talk about values a lot, but that's super important. Mm. You're, you're entering a relationship that could last for 10 plus years. So yeah, yeah. you need to get that stuff right. You need to make sure that the person you're going to work with, you, you genuinely are bought into. You get on and vice versa, they're bought into you. So you, you know it needs to be it needs to be a relationship that's going to work in the long term. You're looking for people who are confident but also humble. Yeah. Um. You're looking for people who have an internal locus of control. Who take responsibility for their own lives. You're looking for people who are intelligent. Yeah. You're. You know. It's. Again, it's about I- identifying the type of individual that's probably going to be successful. And and look, the reality is we're looking to invest in people who could probably grow. Good recruitment businesses on their own Yeah, that's the paradox of what we're looking for so we're looking to invest in people who can grow good recruitment businesses on their yeah. own but actually with our support, with our investment both financially and from a time input perspective who can grow great recruitment businesses and effectively can grow bigger recruitment businesses in yeah. a shorter amount of time with less risk Yeah, you know that's our sell at the end of the day we, we can support partnerships to grow bigger, yeah. faster but with less risk When I visualise that person in my head I see
0: I see senior billing managers and maybe directors of scalable recruitment firms
1: yes Uh,
0: i don't see somebody who's working at a boutique i I don't see maybe somebody who's been in the industry a long time and done lots of different things i think that's just me as a rector figuring not just fit on yeah on what, on what
1: suits is you, de- you definitely want someone on the upward curve don't you we yeah. were talking about that, this that beforehand so I think that's because it's bloody hard it is yeah. I think the boutique thing I'm not so sure I think it depends is mm. the answer to that like with a lot of things in business it depends if somebody works in that big corporate environment and again we were kind of touching mm. on this previously and it, everything's spoon-fed to them yeah are they going to be the individuals who when they go out then and do it into a startup environment, are yeah. they going to be best suited? They're probably, it's going to be a bit of a, um, a challenge for yeah. them going through that process again of not having that big brand behind them and that big corporate structure and yeah. everything taken care of foc- enabling them to focus purely upon one specific aspect Stuff. of the job. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I think there's, there's pros and cons to both.
0: It's having, like, knowing some of the other people who do what you do now, it seems like they do go for, like, usually a S3 businesses, yep, yep. or people who come from businesses
1: that came from that, sure, because that model's repeatable, it's scalable. Proven processes, right? Yeah. It's so important to be able to hey, say, these are the proven processes that we know work, and yeah. it's about being able to predict what the future looks like as best you can, yeah, um, and make logical, evidence-based decisions mm. based upon Doing something now and what the return on that in the next year to three years is yeah. going to look like.
0: My uh, one of my mates' bosses has a company like that. It's one big major company and then he's got a couple of other smaller ones. Okay. And his lifestyle is pretty good. So I, I think you're like he. He would fly for his meeting in Hon- he'd he'd fly for his meeting in Hong Kong with, with the team and all that. And yeah. then he'd go to Dublin and do all that. And then you know he'd be in Australia. Sounds amazing. Yeah, I know. Is that what you visualised? Do you, do you think that
1: there'll be international hubs? and uh, Global expansion opportunities are important to us. I think, you know, that where recruitment is at now, yeah. I think you've got to be looking international. So, yeah, that's definitely yeah. of interest. And you're pretty
0: confident that recruitment's going to be continuing on this upward curve that it's been on and
1: I think, like any, like any sector or any industry, I think there'll always be bumps along the journey. Yeah. But sure, I think recruitment—I don't think recruitment is going anywhere no. Here, fingers crossed, anyway. Mm. Um, okay, well, where can people find you? How can they get in touch with you? And uh, yeah, how can they reach out to you? So yeah, LinkedIn is probably the best place. So um, Alex Elliott, two L's, two T's. All right, great stuff. Thanks so much, Alex. Delta, great to meet you. Thanks for your time. <laughs>
0: Well, a massive thank you to Alex for coming on the podcast. Really love getting to speak to people who've been through the whole journey from being a recruiter to setting up a division to setting up a business to scaling that business and to exiting it and now having a pot of money to play with and wanting to help other people along that journey. So it's great. Um, And we will be back very soon with another excellent podcast. We'll also be heading out to LA next week to film a series of podcasts with our clients out there. So hopefully that'll give you all a flavor of some of the work we're doing around the world.